Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Ultimate Comics Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, and my name is Nabil Gaber. And I'm one of your other hosts, and my name is Josh Kang. And uh, we're just two really big fan of comic books in general. We'll get into why we called it the Ultimate Comics Podcast in a little bit. Uh, right now, we just want to introduce you to who we are. Um, of course, just like we said like two seconds ago, we are really big comic book fans. Uh, we met in college. We both went to Trinity University together, uh, San Antonio, and uh, got to talking. Like We just found out that suddenly, like I don't know when we found out, right, that we were just like both fans. Uh, you remember, Josh? I think we've had a couple conversations about random stuff, and I think we had we we like kind of clicked as friends ish, and then we t- one of us mentioned comics, and and it was and it just became like, oh my gosh, I love comics too. Yeah, I just it was amazing. Like I remember, like at lunch, you would just come over sometimes, and for most things, it would be like you would say it to me and like everyone else in our friend group. You'd say something, and it would be like a really clickbaity. Like, let's get everyone interested in the conversation topic. And it wasn't really different with comics. I think the only difference was you would, like, come and, like, tell us something shocking and crazy. Only with comics, like, that would probably be true. Because comics yeah. are just, like, sometimes they're just all over the place. That's what makes them so much fun. But sometimes they're just wild. And that's how, like, yeah. we kind of got to talking about it. And I think, and going off of, like, quick beta comic titles, I think, when you came up with the idea of coming up with a comics podcast, I said we should do Ultimates, which is probably like the most clickbaity comic book thing in Marvel, at least, ever. Yeah, and uh, so when we mean like Ultimate, we mean uh, there's this whole line uh, that lasted for a good while called the Ultimate Marvel Comics line for anyone who doesn't read comics or know that much about it. And that was a very different like new approach to marvel comics where they tried to modernize things uh they would basically restart everything only like in a modern day context but what was different about it is that uh you don't restart everything and like throw away the history of comics so like all the stuff that goes back from to like the 1960s in marvel that's still there only that's its own universe they just started another parallel universe crazy say of course but it's true called the ultimate universe and that started from like you know ultimate spider-man number one and they kept going from there so they really tried to modernize marvel so they reduce any of the clutter of continuity and history and things that casual readers just wouldn't get yeah yeah um and i think for all of its problems people get um and crap people give the ultimate comics it does do its job of cleaning up a lot of characters, a lot of origins, just cleaning up Marvel's characters in general. And if you are a big fan of like the cartoons and the TV shows and the MCU and the movies, a lot of it takes inspiration from the Ultimate Comics lines. Yeah, definitely. Like, I think the more you read Ultimate Comics, the more you start to realize like this is like a big part of what influenced, like you said, movies and TV and everything outside of the medium and it's really amazing uh it might not get as much recognition as it deserves because a lot of people will just think of comics as like one big entity and not like separate universes but it's pretty cool how it kind of complements the mainstream uh marvel universe in a way but uh before we get into any of that uh we just want to 
get everyone settled in and uh, talk about our own history, our personal histories with comics, just so you can kind of see where we're coming from a little bit more. Uh, Josh, what would you say yours is? When did you start reading comics? What What is your background in the world of comics? Well, as a kid, you know, I never was really into anime or sports, which are like the two other things guys like. Often the guys, kids who like one don't like the other. My thing was comics. Um, though I kind of, though in I think my first comic, true comic that I actually read was Amazing Fantasy, and you know the first few comics with Spider Man in them. I got it as like a good present for getting good grades in elementary, and I got like the full original stories. I got, uh, you know, when Peter Parker first gets his powers to when he faced to up to the point where he faces off against Doc Ock for the first time. Ugh, classics. Yeah. And I think after that, I got really obsessed with Spider-Man, read all the Spider-Man stuff, read it, like, when I was in the library, I'll sneak off to read comics. You know, I didn't get comics really often. Other than that one, I had to sneak off and read them in the school or public library. And I think in high school, in senior year, while I was, you know, waiting for college stuff, I read a bunch of Ultimate Spider-Man, which is my first comic experience with with the Ultimates. And from then on, you know, like in college, even though you don't really have access to money and it's harder to do stuff, you know, you have more freedom. That's when I really, you know, indulged my thing with comics. Ah, isn't that the time? It's a weird time, mm-hmm. though. Like, you know, you start getting into it a little more and you start realizing like, oh, this costs actual money. Yeah, and it ain't cheap. Oh, no. Yeah. Like, comics have gone to, like, on average, like, $4 an issue. Yeah. But, man, I think it's pretty similar for me, honestly. Uh, I started off, I think I really got into it because I Spider-Man 3 was coming out. I was, like, 9 or 10. The uh, Tobey Maguire movie, final one in that trilogy. And, I don't know, it's not... It's definitely not the most popular Spider-Man movie. Far from it. But at the time, I was like, oh, this is so cool. Like, Venom, Black Suit. Like, this is awesome. And uh, it was very much... It was very similar to your story, Josh. I really got into those early uh, Spider-Man comics. Like, Stan Lee, Steve Ditko, John Romita Sr. Like, all those. Like, I read, like... I don't know. God knows how many Spider-Man comics... And uh, I used to, I, I was so excited, I got like a CD-ROM that was like 40 years of Spider-Man. And so, you know, you put it in your computer, you like read them all online before digital comics are really big. And yeah, it's the same. I like got into Spider-Man, that's a gateway, got into Marvel, and then, you know, branched out big into DC too now. But yeah, and then Ultimate Spider-Man uh, from the Ultimate Universe that was one of my earliest comics I remember too. Like I didn't even know what the heck an ultimate universe really was. I didn't understand the concept of just like having different universes and different versions of origin stories and comics, but I loved it. Like, and so, uh, the ultimate universe and ultimate Marvel used to be like really prevalent, like in the comic book world. Yeah. Um, I remember, um, when I would, you know, sneak, basically sneak off from doing homework or studying in the library to read comics for a while in like 2000, from the 2000s, it was all ultimates. Like, and this, to be fair, this was what Marvel was trying to do. They, when they redid, when they did the ultimate universe, they tried to reach a new diverse audience that wasn't really affected by the main 616 continuity. They sold them at Walmarts and like, like what sneakers stores. 
And like whenever I would like whenever like the school or the library would get Marvel comics, it was always like ultimate this, ultimate that, you know? Yeah. I mean, it really came at a, a new time for Marvel comics, like in the year 2000, you know, 21st century hits. And, you know, that's really when you got to look at things a bit differently and try and like take the comics and make them all more new reader friendly. So, yeah, like not just distribution wise, like putting them like wherever, like like you said, libraries, even like shoe stores. I heard like they had them in Payless and stuff, but they got a whole new change up in like, you know, the executives and like people in editorial. And they're like, how do we make this fresh and new? And then Ultimate started, Ultimate Marvel, and they just kept going from there for like a good decade at least. Like it was really big. Like people were reading from the Ultimate Universe, sometimes more than the mainstream universe. I don't know if it was ever like really bigger, but it was at, at the very least, it was like up there and it was like its own line. Uh, and. I think we should also point out, like, this came out, like, after Marvel was not doing well. It was the dark, it was considered the dark ages of comics. Like, I say as a joke, but comics actually almost, the Marvel almost went bankrupt during this time. It actually became the third largest comic company instead of top two for a while. DC always has Warner Brothers to back it up. But, like, Marvel was not doing well, both creatively and financially. This, and this, and, like, and one of the reasons was that people, one of the reasons for why, DC could recover, and Mar- but Marvel couldn't. Is that like DC has like this complicated system of systems of reboots and crises that like that after one happens you could jump in. Marvel doesn't really have that, really. So the Ultimates was their chance of of snatching the readers, you know? Yes, exactly. Like in the mid '80s, like '85, '86, I want to say, uh, DC had what they called Crisis on Infinite Earths, which was a really great event and a great comic, but that the whole purpose of that was to reset the universe and kind of do away with all the convoluted continuity and history and things that new readers wouldn't understand since, you know, Superman first appeared in like 1938. So since 1985, they just have like one main earth and they kind of made things easier. They like streamlined it, did new origins for Superman, Batman, you know, made it very friendly for new readers. Marvel had a huge problem with that after a while because they really hit their stride in the 60s so by the 90s they were losing people like things were getting a little too convoluted and yeah like you said they filed for bankruptcy eventually they were bought out by toy biz but i think around that time or before then they tried heroes reborn which was their own version of crisis kind of where they like the idea was there what they wanted to to reset things so they sent like the avengers fantastic four literally anyone who wasn't selling well into like this new counter earth where they like redid things they brought a lot of big creators on like jim lee and rob liefeld even walt simonson and they brought them on to do new books and relaunch them but that lasted like a year max i think it was just it was did not hit at all yeah and Ultimates was kind of like their way of doing that without destroying their main continuity. So like DC has like 20 different origins for Superman and Wonder Woman. Marvel doesn't have it. They have one, and if you count the Ultimates, two or three. And but and but Ultimates did was like Marvel didn't want to throw away all this history. They didn't want to throw away all those children and relationship. All the characters have developed over the years. 
they also don't didn't want you didn't want new readers to like we catch read a comic and want to know hey why does wolverine know this obscure character and go back 20 issues to the 1970s to figure it out ultimates was kind of like a new start that wasn't a new start which i know sounds really dumb and convoluted but that basically is what it was yeah i mean it sounds crazy but when you read it it's easy to understand like you could start with ultimate spider-man without having any prior knowledge of the character or anything else and you'd be fine that's like its own self-contained separate story you don't have to worry about continuity and history from like the main marvel universe i mean personally i'm a huge fan of that stuff like if you are a fan of that that's fine like uh i was really big into like 1960s marvel so much uh but i think the thing is like 60s marvel is pretty dated for people who like aren't really into some of the stanley isms in the writing and the dialogue and for people who just aren't a fan of like those old references where like jfk's the president or something like that you know if you want something that you can connect with more and feel like it's more relevant today you, you would go to the ultimates at the time anyways and that would give you something a little fresh and new and that, like we've been talking about, it made a huge impact on how the characters were adapted into films and television and things like that. Yeah, I think um, even though Ultimates is basically over now um, in terms of like if they're going to do anything new with it, um, if but, and 616 is the main Marvel Universe, um, if, you, if you ask someone like, hey, give me the origin story of this character from the Marvel movies or like this character's powers, I say there's like anywhere, depending on the character, like a 40 to 60% chance that they give the ultimate version and not the 616 version of what goes down basically on this character. Um, like, yeah. um, spoilers are well, for WandaVision, but if if we just found this out while reading the Ultimate Comics, but um, the if you think of Agatha Harkness from the the main Marvel universe, you 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 get this you know with um this nice old lady. But if you get the ultimate Marvel Agatha Harkness, you basically get something similar to the MCU Agatha Harkness. No, exactly. And I mean, you think of how the Avengers are formed. You look at the movies, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. brings them together. You look at the Avengers in like the early comics in the 60s. It's like Loki tricks the rest of the team into fighting the Hulk. He goes into hiding for a while, joins a circus for a few pages. That's kind of how things worked back then. It was really fun, but like I could understand if people didn't get it at the time. So like Ultimate Comics uh, Avengers, which was just called the Ultimates, they just formed by having Shield bring them together, which is what happened in the movies, and that's what people think of all the time. So I think the Ultimate Marvel line had a much bigger impact than uh, some people might realize. I mean, comic book readers might realize it, but people outside of that realm don't really know it. Yeah, and. Another thing is that people often complain about Spider-Man is like the Peter Parker syndrome where like every single character is somewhat related to Peter Parker's life story. Um, though that happens in 616 to a certain degree, it's like taken up to a notch in Ultimates and Ultimates kind of like brings it in. Like it was already happening there for a while, but Ultimate brings it into the main Marvel Universe. In fact, one of the reasons it declined as one of the main writers for Ultimates, uh, Brian Michael Bendis said, is that a lot of the Ultimates just became this plaything for writers to experiment new ideas. And if it was a good idea, it went back to the main Marvel Universe to the point that, like, the Ultimate Universe to many people just wasn't special anymore because all the good parts about it just carried on over to the main Marvel Universe. Yeah, I mean, if you think of Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury, that idea originated 
in the Ultimates when before he was just like a white guy, uh, infamously played by David Hasselhoff in that one movie or series or whatever it is. I don't remember. Nobody remembers uh, whatever that was. People for good think reason. of yeah for really good reason. People now think of Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury, and that translated from the Ultimate Universe to the movies and then back into the main comics uh, in the mainstream Marvel Universe. So it's just little things like that that slowly started making their way in to the Marvel Universe. And like those are a good portion of the good ideas. Miles Morales, uh, anyone thinks of in of Spider-Man, like, you know, into the Spider-Verse. Of course you think of Miles Morales now. He's like a huge figure, like culturally, like in the public eye. He is a character who originated in the Ultimate Universe and it's been it probably the biggest and like longest lasting impact that that universe has had. And they brought him into the mainstream Marvel universe. So it's really good ideas like that, like Miles Morales and like Samuel L. Jackson and Fury and all these things that have been like piece by piece taken out of the ultimate universe and transplanted. So it's kind of, it was harder to see the need for the ultimate universe as time went on. Yeah. And of course, um, as not, not only did the Ultimates, as a playing ground for writers and new ideas, um, go, um, go out of fashion, the Ultimates, the universe itself, kind of faced the same problems as the main Marvel universe. Like, if you read it now, other than, other, I mean, me, I kind of feel Ultimate Spider-Man aged, aged with me, simply because I was born in the, I lived during the 2000s um, era. But a lot of uh, a lot of if you read Ultimate X Men and if you read Ultimate Avengers, a lot of the political ideas, a lot of the old stuff they do and say do- doesn't really make sense in our era of politics and time anymore. And I think me and Nabil kind of get um, what happens in Ultimate X Men, Ultimate Avengers, because we lived through the Bush administration. But if you were born in 2000 or like 2008 and you read Ultimate Avengers or Ultimate X Men, it doesn't really make as much sense anymore because that era has passed just like the 60s eras has passed for 616, a lot of Ultimates comics, if you read that era, just doesn't fit anymore, simply because that era is gone. And unless you remember it, it's it's basically a time capsule. Yeah, and that's where it kind of ran into the same, the Ultimate Universe ran into the same pitfalls as the mainstream Marvel Universe. We, like Josh has been saying, like it was very groundbreaking at the time to just have something that fits so well into a modern context. But then as years went on, it became a little less relevant. And not only that, they ran into the same kind of convoluted continuity problems later on because the universe kept going for a while. You know, at first it's fresh and new and it's easy, but then things get tangled up and it gets more complicated. Uh, I think that's a good reason why Marvel moved away from Ultimate, the Ultimate Universe a little bit more. Because now you can see their model is a bit more like, let's restart at number one, like every few years, like, let's not reset the universe, but every series that we can is going to get a new like number one, it's going to relaunch a series, and we'll try to make it new reader friendly and a bit more modern. And that has its ups and downs. uh, But for a time, the ultimate universe was a way to modernize things, because it felt relevant. Of course, then like, you move away from that a little more as it gets less and less relevant over time. Yeah, and of course, during this time, um, during when Ultimate Marvel was like, it was going strong for a while, when it started to decline, 616 Marvel 
kind of like picked back up with Civil War and House of M. But also another big reason is the Ultimate Comics um, has a lot of the same criticisms people make about comics in the 90s or if you know DC, the New 52. It's that it's just a bit too edgy at times to the point that it doesn't really serve a purpose. It's just kind of people ask. It just it's edgy for the sake of edginess. Yes, that was a huge... Uh, I mean, right now, that's still like a big complaint against Ultimate Marvel. A lot of the titles, like you look at Ultimates, Ultimate X-Men, uh, even later on with Ultimate Fantastic Four, uh, it gets a little edgy for the sake of edginess, which was big in like the early 2000s, uh, and that has made it a time capsule, just like a lot of the data references, like ultimate captain america being like you think this a on my head stands for france it was funny i think at the time but as it's, it just has not aged well i mean i'm sure there are probably some people who are like yeah i read it at the time and that still wasn't a great line like it was just like they took more chances uh with the ultimates because it wasn't the main universe so they made changes to characters and their personalities and then made them a little darker and grittier because that's i guess at the time that's kind of the audience they were playing to but it hasn't really done so well over time and i think the exception to this of course is the one is the multi is the ultimate comics that was the most successful um was ultimate spider-man which was and to a certain degree ultimate fantastic four which was which were very too true to their original counterparts and very readable the characters were very similar to their 616 counterparts and as a result, those are the characters that, like, when the Ultimates universe was basically edit was canceled and we all thought was destroyed in Zero Force, Maz Morales popped over to 616 and now he's in 616. The Maker, who is an evil version of Mr. Fantastic, also, like, came over to 616. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with your point. Well, just going back to, like, Ultimate Spider-Man, like, that is a really big exception uh, because... I like Ultimate Spider-Man is almost universally like loved and praised. Like uh, at least like the Ultimate Peter Parker part. Like if you read like all the way through Ultimate Peter Parker's story, you'd feel like you got a complete like self-contained storyline. You wouldn't need to read any crossover or anything. Not just that, you felt like you got a cleaned-up version of like the best of Spider-Man. Like everything you love about the character, everything you love about his world, his supporting cast, everything. And some things, a few things even happen like a bit better than they did in like the mainstream Marvel universe. And that's a prime example of what the Ultimate Universe was trying to do. Like that was the whole aim was to like make things simpler, but also like make them tr as true to the characters as you could. Um, I don't think some of the other titles did as well. Like I've really just read like Ultimates and that one, it's fun to read with like a grain of salt as like a different take on the Avengers. But that's not something that you would read thinking like this is the definitive Avengers story, you know. I, I kind of feel with Ultimate Avengers is basically what DC didn't want to do with their characters in Watchmen. Marvel did with their characters in Ultimate Avengers, where like they yes, I totally see that. Yeah, they uh, they become these basically these monsters to serve a to serve like to throw to do this political message, but like. Ultimate Fantastic Four and Ultimate X-Men also do their best to clean up the origins of a lot of their characters. Um, if you watch the movies, 
um, it's they're the ultimate X-Men and ultimate fantastic four lines, um, are very similar to their movie counterparts though with ultimate X-Men, you might have to like get pretend the technical, um, statutory rape and cannibalism doesn't occur though. Yeah. Ultimate X-Men. I read a little bit of it. It's, it's pretty weird. I gotta say, you have to take that one with a grain of salt too. It's it's not it's definitely not the definitive X Men so far as what I've read. Uh, also, I think a really funny note about Ultimate X Men is that the movie actually inspired those comics. Like the Brian Singer films came out in like 2000. And I think Ultimate X Men was 2001. So like you know the black uniforms and like kind of the lineup of people. And the whole like way everything worked, it was really inspired by those. I'm not a big fan of the movies, and I guess that's why I wasn't a huge fan of the Ultimate X Men comics. <laughs> uh, but it's funny to see like the reverse effect. Like yeah, like you said, Ultimate Fantastic Four definitely inspired the the Fantastic Four movies, which I have a, a little bit of an embarrassing soft spot for. But uh, it's funny to see things work the other way around, where like X Men, the movie inspired Ultimate X Men. But yeah, I totally agree. Oh my god, Ultimate X-Men, I read like the first story arc so far. Like, we'll get to it when we get to it, when we talk about Ultimate X-Men, but for now, just like, wow. Okay, that's yeah. uh, pretty different. Yeah. For a little clue, um, for the uh, as you get as you go on this ride with us, the Ultimate Comics have a weird amount of cannibalism. Like, it's it's like a lot of characters are cannibals. Like, I'm not like saying, I'm not saying metaphorical cannibals, like a lot of characters eat people, and it's really weird about why they keep bringing this up. Yeah, speaking of cannibalism, uh, we may as well just get to it now while we can. Let's just segue into the event that really was like, I think, the, the beginning of the end for uh, Ultimate Comics, and I think that was Ultimatum. Uh, it happened in, I, I want to say 2008, uh, this big event. Up until then, I don't think the Ultimate Marvel line had a bunch of events, crossovers. They they had a, a few, but like nothing I don't think as big as Ultimatum. Like the mainstream Marvel universe and DC and things like that. More Marvel than DC, they usually have like big crossovers, uh, and that have become more popular in recent years. Where like it feels like every few months there's a big event, and different titles get pulled into it, and there's like a main mini series, and there's a whole reading order for these events where like everyone meets and have battles this big enemy. So Ultimatum was that for the Ultimate Universe, and like the first time they really did something as big as that, and it did not do well at all. I'll just say that that was just—it's regarded as probably one of the worst comic book events, and it really fell into a lot of the same pitfalls and traps as like their mainstream counterparts. Yeah. Um, what basically happened is there's a giant flood caused by Magneto, and that wipes out most of New York City. And as a result, most of the characters die without putting up a fight, which I guess for a lot of street characters, street level characters, is realistic, kind of. But it really bummed a lot of people out because a lot of people were fans of certain characters, like, or at least fans of the original versions. Like Nightcrawler, uh, Daredevil, uh, they all die in the flood. I think some characters like Dazzler, you don't even know they died. There's just a list of deceased people and their names, her name's on there. And, uh, and, there's more cannibalism, as Nabil said. Weirdly, uh, the Blob eats the Wasp. So, Hank Pym, the Yellow Jacket, eats the Blob. Yeah, and it's just Mystique is eaten by the Hulk. I think it's so nasty. 
yeah, and it's kind of pointless because you and a lot of characters. I think a lot of people are okay with characters dying, but the ultimates they just die. They don't. You don't see them put up a fight. You don't. Sometimes you don't even see their dead bodies. Yeah, I mean, like you were saying with this whole flood that happens in the event, a lot of them just die off panel. Like Daredevil just washes up uh, a few of the X Men. It's just very unceremonious and just like edgy for the sake of edginess. Like people just die in some gruesome, brutal ways, as we described, and they kind of just wipe them off the board. And you're kind of like, okay, now what? Like, yeah what is this universe now? Like, they kind of, like, made a mess of things with that event, in my opinion. Yeah. And I heard, like, and there's, and this is one of those things where there's, it's, it's like with Hank Pym hitting his wife in the original comics. There's just so much controversy of why this happened, of, like, different writers and editors say, like, it happened because of this and that. But, like, people think it's because Marvel just was tired of this universe and they wanted to go back to their old universe. And to be fair, this was, like, not too long after Civil War brought even more attention back to the old universe. And maybe this was Marvel's really messed up way of washing their hands. Get it? Washing their hands of this universe. Oh, because of the flood and everything? Is yeah. That oh my gosh. You are a master, sir. <laughs> Thank you. But um, to be fair, uh, Ultimates after Ultimatum did like chug along and they did do stuff. They did continue to do some pretty okay and even some good stuff. Yeah, I mean, they definitely tried their best. Like, there were a couple attempts at, like, restarting. It's really funny because the mainstream Marvel Universe, you know, like we mentioned earlier, will, like, restart a bunch of things at, like, issue number one and, like, do a new line and, like, oh, it's a fresh start. This is a jump, good jumping-on point for new readers. And the Ultimate Universe did that, which is pretty ironic because, like, they were created for the whole purpose of not having to, like, deal with, like, cleaning up continuity and issues like that, but they, like, rebranded at one point as, like, Ultimate Comics Ultimates, or, like, Ultimate Comics Spider-Man, like, Ultimate Comics X-Men, you know, things like that. And uh, there were some good things from what I remember reading, like, the standout is easily, like, Miles Morales debuting as Spider-Man in Ultimate Comics Spider-Man, but uh, there's a few, a couple, like, overlooked things, like, you know, Jonathan Hickman did some good stuff, uh, really like one of my favorite right comic book writers uh he did like ultimate comics ultimates for a little bit and short-lived things like a ultimate comics thor mini series and they did have some hits you're right it's just uh i don't think it was ever really the same once ultimatum hit no i i don't think it'd ever be the same if you unceremoniously destroy 85 percent of your roster um in like the most unceremonious and pretty distasteful way i feel yeah, and I think even leading up to that point, that was really like, you know, that had been built up to by, I think, years of like overlooked things in the Ultimates, just like mischaracterization or a little excessive edginess, like we were saying, like some characters like, you know, Captain America or uh, Professor X or you know, other big popular characters, they were kind of like, I don't know, exaggerated, kind of like worse versions of themselves from like the main universe. Like, we talked about yeah. Captain America just being kind of, like, just an asshole a little bit, you know? And, like, Professor X being, like, pretty creepy and kind of, a, like, big, like, mental manipulator with his powers. And, like, gosh, who else can we even talk? Like, Hank Pym. We were just getting into that. Like, in the mainstream universe, it's infamous. Uh, that one scene in, like, the 70s or something where he slaps his wife, uh, the Wasp. And that's horrible. Uh, but, I mean... 
at least then it was like it's that one infamous moment in Ultimates they run with it and they make him like a full on like abusive husband and it's like horrible they make him into like the worst like irredeemable character like Hank Pym mm. in the mainstream Marvel universe has like tried so hard to like make up for that one moment to so imagine like Hank Pym in the Ultimate universe who was like had serious issues and like is a horrible person he's like they're never going to redeem that character no and i think i don't want to be that guy but you can really tell which of the which of the comics are edgier based on the ones which based on the ones mark millar wrote yeah i mean uh the thing is like i really uh i'm a fan of mark millar with some of the stuff he's like uh if you read like marvel knights spider-man or like the fantastic four run he did in the mainstream universe actually i'm a big fan of those but yeah really good i found like from what i've read so far just with like the ultimates and ultimate x-men i like they're fun but like you really like you can't think about it too much because there's some serious like if you think about it all there's some serious issues there oh, like yeah. the carrot like there's you know it's violent it's edgy the characters are like exaggerated like worse versions of themselves i think that's really the prime example you think about when you think about the ultimates and like some of the issues um i think i haven't read ultimate fantastic four yet but i know that was like co-written by bendis and mark millar at first so i don't really know like how that turns out yet i've heard like good things about the start but it is fun to see like there's like a competing voices like you read ultimate spider-man written by Brian Michael Bendis, uh, art by Mark Bagley. They're, like, a solid creative team. They went for, like, as longer than any creative team I've known, but, like, they really hit the the nail on the head with Ultimate Spider-Man because, like, all the best versions of, like, every character is in Ultimate Spider-Man. And even if you read characters like the X-Men and the Fantastic Four and the Ultimates in that comic, they come off a lot better than they do, like, in their own titles. Oh, yeah. Um... One thing, um, you're one thing I wanted to say is when you're talking about like Ultimate Marvel, like characters in other comics, is uh, especially you get this with Ultimate Spider when you're just in the high school with Peter Parker and the other students, it all feels like one universe. Like Marvel, like for various reasons, like to separate. Oh, like the Avengers occupied this space of the universe, and the X Men occupied this space of the universe. But in Ultimate Comics, you hear kids talk about oh, like about like the Avengers are or the Ultimates are a thing, and then. You talk about like mutant, they like mutants are a thing, and like this kid like ran away from home because they found out he was a mutant, or like this family like went underground because their youngest daughter was a mutant. It all feels very connected, like it all feels like the same universe. Yes, the world feels very small. I think that's the great thing about like a relaunch like that or a reboot. It's kind of like when things first started with the Marvel Universe in the 60s, like when there weren't really as many characters. You know, everyone kind of crossed over, even in the smallest way, even if it's like a re- passing reference to someone or if someone just like walks by in a panel or something or flies by. Uh, it's very much the same as like early Marvel, where in the Ultimate Universe, you hear about all these characters and you feel like they're all part of the same interconnected world. And uh, that that's one of the best parts about those early days in Ultimate Marvel, for sure. Yeah. And I'm going to bring this up in like every other um episode we do about the ultimate so i was bringing it up here um the fashion just seems like modern um you read um spider-man in the 1960s he wears like a three-piece shirt and waistcoat to school 
my and, gosh, yeah. Yeah, and Ultimate Spider-Man, he wears what I wore in high school. I wore, like, jeans, shirt, with, like, another plaid shirt over it. Maybe, like, for younger people, that's a bit outdated, but that's what I wore in high school. And I'm like, and and that aged really, uh, and I really like that. Of course, it's the early 2000s, so some of the old 90s fashion with all those midriffs carried over, like, every other female character wears a midriff for some reason. And yes, it is very much like early 2000s fashion. Some of it hasn't aged the best, but at least like if you were in the early 2000s, you can get what they were going for because it's like, oh yeah, I remember this. Like, It is a little bit of a problem where it's like, okay, now it feels a bit dated, but it's not as badly dated as like the 60s where like, it doesn't, it's like, how, why would high schoolers talk like this? Why would they dress like this? This doesn't make sense. You know, it connects a little bit more. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so overall, like, the Ultimate Universe, I want to say, like, it lasted a good, let's say, like, 15, 16 years. Because I know in, like, the big Secret Wars event that Marvel did in 2015, it was, like, the Ultimate Universe and the mainstream Marvel Universe just collided. And they are destroyed and blah, yada, yada, long story. The multiverse is restored, but, like... The Ultimate Universe doesn't really exist anymore. Like, they don't really do any more Ultimate Comics imprints. Like, Miles Morales came from the Ultimate Universe to the main universe. I think they reveal he doesn't even remember the Ultimate Universe. He thinks he's been in the main universe his entire life now. Yeah, he doesn't really remember it. I think I've been reading, like, recent Miles Morales comics, and they're, like, kind of getting to the point where I think he's... They're starting to try and get him to remember more because the Miles Morales of, like, the mainstream Earth... Earth 616 is like trying to send him back where he came from because, like, he and his entire family, they have no idea they even came from the Ultimate Universe. But uh, I think in one comic, they even reveal the Ultimate Universe was restored and they kind of gave it like a send off, like a happy ending where it's like you see Spider Man, like Peter Parker, like leading the Ultimates in the Ultimate Universe and everyone's alive and happy. And But they kind of closed the door on that one. They're like, it's done. Like, we don't really do anymore with the ultimate universe i think it has a lot to do with what you were saying josh earlier where like they took a lot of the best things from the ultimate universe and the ones with the most staying power and they brought them into the mainstream marvel universe so they didn't really feel a need to use any of that other stuff anymore yeah it's it's they gave it a happy ending after years of experimentation and kind of abuse (laughs) towards the characters yeah. They gave it a happy ending. I really admired the creative freedom that was taken with it, but sometimes it did go a little too far. Like, I think some good ideas came out of it, but also, like, you can see a lot of, you know, issues and pitfalls. Uh, but uh, overall, I'm really glad they gave it a shot. I think the main reason why we're just talking about it in general is, like, it's just such a fun, like, unique idea. Like, I just love the fact that they're, like, they kind of learned from their mistakes with Heroes Reborn. They're like, let's not restart everything. Let's just create a separate line that's like its own separate universe and make it for new readers. And I think it's a it's a very smart idea. Like sometimes it worked better in concept than in execution, but some good things came out of it. And like we've been saying, like it's things that people don't even realize made a difference on everything, even outside of the comics, not to mention in the comics, like making like Nick Fury, Samuel L. Jackson persona, Miles Morales coming into the mainstream universe. Then you look Maker. at like cartoons, TV shows, movies. It's it's all there. Yeah, the Ultimate Marvel is basically uh, Marvel like 
I mean, I mean, we now know Marvel becoming big because of the movies and the MCU, but Ultimate Marvel is the one that I kind of feel allowed it to happen just because of what they've cleaned up and changed for the characters. Like, so many stuff, like you said, from the movies, from the TV shows, the cartoons, they're all from or have some point of origin in the Ultimate Universe. Yeah, and so I think what our goal is ultimately, <laughs> ultimately, got him. <laughs> all right, money. Anyways, so our final goal really with this podcast is like we want to go like episode by episode, just taking a minute or many, many minutes actually to discuss each aspect of the Ultimate Universe. We want to go over like Ultimate Spider-Man, Ultimate X-Men, Ultimate, Ultimate Fantastic Four, you know, what worked, what didn't work our thoughts in it, our experiences there, and hopefully uh, if you're, like, for to anyone listening, honestly, see if you get anything out of it, you know, what you think about it. Uh, just want to read along and look at this and, like, just see, like, how different it was from, like, going back to, like, the 1960s when things started with Marvel, how they kind of, everything they tried to do to clean up the universe and clean up the characters and what worked and what really didn't at all and just just have fun with it because i think it's just a really fun like cool idea and uh josh what what are your goals with the podcast um same as you mostly um i you know i kind of feel for all its fault ultimate marvel is a very is a very underrated uh universe in terms of marvel um it's a very underrated concept um and i think just by talking about it we're bringing some justice to all the creators and to all the characters that the ultimate marvel has brought especially considering now that marvel's so big not just like to like to to like the non-nerd community it's just like i kind of feel we need to give tribute to the ultimate line yeah i mean it, it lasted a good long while i mean this had a huge impact on us just growing up throughout the 2000s and feeling like it was a big part of marvel at the time and uh, just looking back on it and just remembering it's a really important part of Marvel history. Like, it left its mark. Uh, so we hope that uh, you can read along with us. Uh, we'll be covering, you know, specific arcs and, like, sampling from each little thing. We're not going to go, like, you have to read the entire Ultimate Universe with us. But we'll be like, you know, let's take a look at this. Let's, like, sample a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Maybe we'll go to Ultimate Spider-Man one episode, Ultimate X-Men, maybe Ultimate Spider-Man again after that, you know. And just uh, dip our toes in it, like, see what we like and what we don't. Yeah. I'm really excited for this journey. Are you? Uh, not really. I don't know. <laughs> we spent so much time talking about it, and now I'm just like, maybe I'm excited for the idea of it. Maybe this is all we needed to do. Yeah. I feel pretty fulfilled now. I, I'm contractually obligated to do all the other episodes, aren't I? Did you, you um, made me sign something? Uh, not yet, but we should we should we should sign something. All right, I'll sign it. Whatever, you know. I've got like a million other podcasts asking me to do stuff, but I'll make time for this because the Ultimate Universe is just such a fascinating idea. You really got me. You know that. Damn you, Josh. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure this was your idea, but you know. Well, that's. Yeah, you know, it's your word against mine. Let's see how that holds up in a court of law. Yeah. But anyways, we uh, hope that uh, you guys listen along and have fun with the Ultimate Universe as much as we will. And uh, we'll be back with uh, Ultimate Spider-Man will be our first official episode after this intro. 
and uh, we hope you enjoy it. I mean, we're really starting at the top with Ultimate Spider-Man, in our opinion, but yeah. it's, uh, it's going to be really fun. So stick around. We'll get back to you with that. Any parting words, Josh? No, I think we're good. All right, you heard it here first. We are good, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.